looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, no! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. Good evening, friends! Hey, hey, it's Kra. How we all doing today? Uh, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Crazy Train Radio. Just want to give a heads up about our guest today, as promised, Mr. Arkansas Fred. Fred Barnett. That's right, for you football fans... He is known for some of the most acrobatic catches during his playing days from 1990 to 97. Played for the Philadelphia Eagles, Miami Dolphins. He was a third round draft pick in 1990 by the Philadelphia Eagles who were led by Buddy Ryan and some offensive guru on the field named Randall Cunningham. 1992 Pro Bowler, he was known for an amazing 95-yard touchdown catch from Randall against the Bills after he was in the end zone for avoiding some guy named Bruce Smith, who I think is a Hall of Famer. reason Fred is going to be calling in is because of a documentary he was a part of called Where's Daddy? His involvement, I think, is very entertaining, but also brings a different perspective because he had a good relationship with his ex-wife and was able to work and still work as a team. When parenting his twins, as he will mention in the interview, are 17 and get ready to go off to college in September. But the movie Where's Daddy tends to uh, show the different stereotypes and all. But Fred's story in terms of the movie will show, I guess, not that I've ever been divorced, but a positive spin on things. So why don't we take a break real quick, and we will get the commercials out of the way, then we will jump into our interview with Fred about the documentary and a little football talk. Hey, this is Tiffany, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hey, 
As you know, for today's contempt hearing, Mr. Tate, you had to show that you did not deliberately disobey the court's order to pay child support for your three children. You had to convince me you're not as irresponsible as you appear. The child support system, it, it revels in dysfunction. What you have are people like myself who've never been locked up before, but all of a sudden you find yourself in prison. The child support system, even though it doesn't target an individual, what it does, it puts a price on an individual's head, and you know, you provide this money or else you're a deadbeat father. There was one point where they was finding me $100 a day to bring in some information that I knew nothing about. One thing I think a lot of guys don't do is when they're faced with an issue or faced with a dilemma, even a choice, what are the things that could possibly go wrong? If you have a relationship with someone and it is a negative, there's negative interactions there, then I would learn I don't like these qualities. Make sure you take care of your children. And a lot of kids out here think their fathers don't love them and don't want to be with them, but it's not the father all the time. Your father could give you this, give you that, but that time spent is more valuable than some little bit of money that you get. And the mother wants to be vindictive and try to hurt you, mm -hmm. and doesn't keep in mind the child's being hurt even more than the man. I've got a 22-year-old son, and we're just, we're just patching our ways now. There's been times where I've had to walk across the Ben Franklin Ridge just to save $5 in bus fare to get to my daughter. I remember I would go in the bottom dollar, and I had $13, man. I had to feed him that night, and I had to um, pack lunch for the next day. It was just rough. It was real rough, you know, for the first time I ever let that out. Barring the idea that, okay, it's his fault, there's been a uh, systematic plan to strip the black man of self. It's systematic. I can say that I've not been everybody's favorite person in this journey, but the reality of it is, is that I'm still here. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact, Jack! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. <laughs> Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Are you annoyingly even keel? Emethamine could be right for you. I have a disease, all right? I need help. Emethamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh my God. Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Aw, oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my.
I'll tell you what's up. Based out of Atlantic City, New Jersey, Geek Time Entertainment runs exclusively along with different events in the area to strategize with their partners who will benefit with increased exposure and patron traffic. Geek Time Entertainment will work with your event in increasing the event's traffic via social media, radio, and storefront advertisements. Holy cow! Also, they will help increase business for your company and event with different sales incentives. Duh. Whether your event will be small or even mid-scale, Geek Time Entertainment is the group to work with. That's what I'm talking about. Contact them today at geektimeentertainment at gmail.com or facebook.com backslash geektimeentertainment. Oh my god, who the hell cares? Hi, I'm Pat Williams of the Orlando Magic. Just a reminder, you're listening to the dulcet voices. Oh boy, crazy train radio. There's nothing like it. stadium and you know they don't have a replay board here for these 80,000 folks they're really going to have to wait till the 11 o'clock news to catch one of the great plays of all time 95 yards longest pass in the NFL this season the second longest in Philadelphia history Ron Jaworski to Mike Quick against the Falcons in 1985 99 yards and that was so near to being a safety. That's a nine-point play is what it is. Cunningham will be looking at the rush almost immediately. He knows where he is on the football field and then just watch his escapability. How does Smith miss him there with the left hand? And now his eyes go downfield looking for his receiver and Barnett is way down there. He throws this ball again into the wind about 60 yards. There's the alley-oop. Jamie Williams can't make the play. And then that world-class beat of Barnett, it's all over. The Eagles are in the end zone. And I'm thinking back to something that Fred Barnett told us last night. After the workout in Philadelphia yesterday, Randall Cunningham called the two rookie-wide receivers, Williams and Barnett, together and said, look, guys, you're going to be in this league for a long, long time, and I plan to be here for another 10 years. And together, we work hard. We can become the team of the 90s. 
the thing about Cunningham is he's so inspirational and he really appreciates that effort of his young rookie. Outstanding play. I, I could watch that play a thousand times. Smith had him dead in the end zone. Took a swipe at him with his left arm. Cunningham ducks, gets out of trouble, throws the ball 60 yards down the field, and they get a touchdown. And you know what else, Dan? What? There was no in-the-grass call. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, first of all, I want to start off just based on the emails we were exchanging and stuff. How was your travels yeah. to Texas? Oh, it was good. It was good. I had a layover in uh, St. Louis, but uh, made it here and all settled in. So uh, it's a little different weather than in Philadelphia. It's about it's about it's about 80 degrees here. So exactly. I had to uh, yeah, I had to put my coat up once I got once I got here, but uh, it's. Uh, it's a, good, it's a good change right now for me. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. So, first question, I want to go with the documentary. Sure. How did you end up involved with the project? Well, as a friend of mine actually is one of the executive directors, uh, Maurice Floyd, and uh, the director, uh, Rail Dardell, he's, he he's, was looking for, you know, um, individuals to be in the documentary, in the individuals that, uh, you know, people would possibly know, uh, you know, A-listers, B-C-listers. Uh, and um, Maurice uh, told me about the documentary, and um, he told he told uh, Rail that he knew me, and Rail, you know, of course, wanted me in it. Uh, he knew that I had, uh, I had gone through a divorce and had, you know, gone through the custody and, and the support and all that. So uh you know of course I, I I thought it was a I thought it was a great idea uh it was to to some degree uh new information for me because it it gave me a perspective on what a lot of men go through although I did not you know uh, I was fortunate not to be able to go through it to the extent of some of the men that that were in the documentary and you know to some of the people who were going guys who are going through it now uh but uh it, it i i think it was it was a great it was done very well um and i was just uh just uh, just glad to be a part of it now uh for those who aren't familiar uh how many kids you have i have i have i have my first marriage i had i have twin daughters okay and my i'm married now for for 10 years and i have twin i wonder i don't have no any more twins i have two boys Okay. I have twin daughter, twin daughters that are seventeen, 
uh, and I have a uh, boy that's a young boy that's six, and I have a boy that's one years old. Okay, nice. Yeah. Now, when you said you went to, and I also seen that on YouTube a uh, question and answer that you're a part of and all that you mentioned there as well. You said that you had more of a positive experience as far as your divorce and custody and all that. And when most people hear positive, divorce, custody, you know, just everything that goes with that kind of thing, what would you say yours was you had a better outlook on how things went down with you? Well, I, I think I had a better outlook because I learned very quick to and, – and let me let me say this. It could have went the other way. I think I learned very quick to take exactly what I want and my emotions out of it and and chose to put my, my kids' future and their emotions in it. And every time I talk to my ex, even though we, we weren't on, on, on good terms, uh, when we when we kept our daughters in mind about, when, you know, when we talked, it just made it that much easier. And when, when I think the both of us, when we, when we felt we did that, we thought at that point, you know, it, it would be an easy transition for us. It would be a, a little more easier for us. And, uh, you know, and I, we, we've, we've had a number of talks. We had rather a number of talks when we were going through the divorce and going through the support. And, you know, I think we would, we would remind each other each time, you know, you know, we, we're human just like anybody else feeling get hurt, you know, when things change. But we would remind each other that really it's, it's, you know, it's about the well-being of our daughters at that point. And, and I think that's, that's, that really, um, helped the both of us have a positive experience, you know, from, you know, to some degree a negative experience. And that, that is, you know, going through the separation, the divorce, and then the child support and the custody and all that. So it just kind of made, kind of, kind of kept us accountable of being fair to one another because we knew that, you know, at the end of the day, it's really about, you know, us making our daughters happy and what we could do to make our daughters happy. And, and, you know, I think we did a pretty good job of it. They, they are both, you know, scholarship athletes that are going to University of Virginia this fall. Nice. Now, obviously, I think I know the answer to this based on what you just said there, but, when it came to issues with your children, and obviously you mentioned there that it came, when it came to the girls, yeah. you're all about it. But was it easy for you to call the ex or the ex to call you and say, hey, X, Y, and Z is going on with this one or that one or, what, or both of them? Or then have a discussion. How do you, how would we sort of co-parent and how do we address this? Yeah, yes, it was easy because, you know, like I said, we, we, it was always really about them. Uh, and we, we would both call each other. And there were times when even, even when, when our custody was finalized and documented, that there are times that they would want to come and see me and she allowed that to happen. And there were times when they would want to go and see her and, and I allowed that to happen. Now, interestingly, that still didn't, take the emotion out of it for them, although they saw us to some degree on the same page, they still knew that mom and dad, you know, mom was in one place and dad was another place. And there was, that was a somewhat of a hill for both of us to climb because, you know, they became very emotional at, at, at times when, you know, just sitting around watching TV and 
just, you know, the thought that mom and dad is not together anymore. And that's, that's, you know, that's, that's something that I think, you know, individuals have to, have to be patient with the kids and, and understanding and that, you know, you know, uh, they, they, they feel the change just as much as you do. So yeah. you, you have to be very, very, you have to stay aware. You have to not, you have to not pull them out of it so quick. Uh, you have, they, uh, children are re- resilient, but at the same time too, you have to let them feel their emotion. And you have to just kind of hold their hands, you know, as as they as they get through it, whether they're running through it or whether they're walking through it. And you know, of course, it takes time. It takes it takes time. But the one thing that I think is very important is that both parents start at that point to create a very positive outlook for not only for themselves but for the kids. So that the, the minute that you know I was a single dad. I had to, at that point, you know, pull myself together and, and create a positive outlook for myself and for my kid. Uh, at that, you know, at the time she, she was a single mother, she had to create a positive outlook for herself and for the kid. And, and you know, that I think that's very important because, you know, if you're not healthy, you you can't help anybody. Yeah. You know, so so I think if that 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 was a very important piece to it as well. Is that, you know, we we. Um, were very adamant about um, creating, you know, making that change, making that change, and accepting that change, and and, and being positive about it. And and you know, as I mentioned, you know, when when things like that happen, when a divorce happens, when you know the arguments, and you know, there, there are emotions involved, and and we're human. But at the same time, too, if you have something to uh, support in which, in terms of kids and even yourself. You know that 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 just gives you a, a different outlook on it. Well, how would you say you know? Because obviously you try to be a, a good father for your daughters, but how would you say your relationship is with your girls? Oh, it's a great relationship. It, okay. It's a great relationship, and 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 through that, you know, it's taken a lot of patience and taken a lot of understanding. Uh, you know, it, it it's. Um, I think I think it's a, it's a great relationship, and and it's it's it 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 takes time. Uh, my daughters are now 17 years old, and when we told them we were getting divorced, they were six. Wow. And yeah, so so that was a very you know emotional time for them, and you know unfortunately it's something that had to to some to a degree had to be explained at their level. You know, it didn't have to be extensive, but they still knew knew that mom and dad wasn't going to be together. So, interestingly, there are things that went on in their head that they weren't talking about, and eventually they started to, you know, to voice their opinion about, you know, what was going on or what they thought about it. And now, you know, being 17 and and you know, uh, you know, coming to, to coming to my house and and you know, on the phone with their mom or me on the phone with them, you know, at their mom's house. It's just, you know, we're not one big happy family, but, you know, they know that they they have two parents that uh, support them and are there for them and love them, and that, that, that'll never change. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to one last question on that. Sure. This topic and whatnot. And it happens a lot with, you know, divorces and, people moving on with their lives, 
you obviously mentioned there that you are now remarried and whatnot, have a lovely woman with you. Yeah. Uh, how, how did that affect the kids that having another person come into dad's life where it seemed like, oh, dad's trying to replace mom or whatever. You know what I mean? That so many yeah. different thoughts can go in kids' heads. Oh, yeah, for sure. That 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 definitely had an effect. But one thing that was interesting is that my wife's name is Lindsay now. One thing that, that, that was interesting, and the relationship, first of all, takes time. And when you have a, a stepmother, stepdaughter, or stepson, stepfather, step stepson relationship, that's a very interesting and to some degree vulnerable relationship because you kind of come in with your guards up, you know, and you, you, you just don't come in open arms usually. Even if even if it, it, it literally that way, you still kind of have your guards up. Now, one interesting thing that I that I did with now my wife, but at the time we were dating, and the minute that I knew, the minute that I proposed to her, well, actually it was before I proposed to her, uh, when I when I felt that I would probably marry her, I had a conversation with her, and I told her, I said, look. I said, look, Lindsay, I, I just want to let you know, of course, I love you. I feel like, you know, we have a great relationship. And at one point, you know, at, at some point, we're probably going to get married because, you know, we're serious. I said, but I need you to understand something. You are marrying someone with, with two beautiful daughters. And I need you to really understand, number one, where they are, where they could possibly be with you entering their life. And I need you to give an effort in being their stepmom. I need you to not, I need you to not want to be their mother. I need you to understand that they have a mother. I said, but I, but I do need you to be a positive influence, number one, on our relationship around them. And first and foremost, be a part, have, create a positive relationship with them. And I basically said, if you want me, you have to want them. Yeah. And if you don't want them, you cannot have me. It's a package deal, yeah. It's a package deal. And I think too many times an individual who is connected or have a significant other and that's in the in and the significant other gives a demand that they don't want the kids around. For example, if Lindsay came to me and said, Hey, I love you but but the kids I can't deal with well, if you if you can't deal with the kids you can't deal with me. So and and that's that's something that that was very important to me. I, I because my I wanted my kids and my kids are to be in my life. I, I I didn't want you know to go on living my life or live another life without my kids involved. I didn't want no. to do that. And unfortunately, there are a lot of individuals who do that. I mean, yeah. think about the lady down in and I think it was North Carolina who drove the kids in the river because she had met oh. someone and, he, and she didn't want the kids. He didn't want yeah. the kids. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, and that that that's when you're thinking about yourself, you know, and and your well-being, and what and what what's good for you when you're not putting the kids first. Yeah, there's so many weird stories like that out there, and unfortunate oh, stories big, as well. So, very yeah. unfortunate stories. Yeah. So uh, anyway, as far as the documentary goes, where's Daddy? Check it out on Amazon. We're gonna put the links for the movie at the bottom of all your links where you're hearing this. 
But if I can, Fred, for a few minutes, I want to ask you a couple football questions, obviously, if that's sure. cool with you. Sure. Well, first and foremost, because I know you're from the Philadelphia area still, with the birds winning the bowl this year, what what was that like for you from having an association with the team and being a former player and whatnot? Well, it was amazing. I, it was almost surreal, you know, and we actually had a, uh, a an alumni party uh, trophy presentation uh, with the team uh executives this past Tuesday. And just to just to see, you know, them do this and it it was it was absolutely surreal. And and you know, there there are a number of, of people, individuals congratulated me and it's interesting that you say that, that that I'm a part of it. There are a number of people started to congratulate me, you know, after the after the uh, after the Super Bowl. You know, and I thought to myself, why are they congratulating me? I didn't do anything. And when I when I congratulated a, a couple of the players that are on the team via text, they text me back and say, "Hey, we did it for you." And I said, "Wow, that 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 was amazing." And and and, and it just kind of let me know that you know what I thought wasn't true that I was that I was a part of it. And I remember even being <laughs> in watching the game. It was amazing because when they won, you know, everybody and I was at a buddy's house. We were all jumping up, you know, kind of you know celebrating. And I'm laughing and laughing and laughing. I'm like, oh, my goodness, we won, we won. And the next day, you know, I just started crying. I'm like, why am I crying? <laughs> oh, goodness. It's like you just don't, just don't realize how connected you feel and, and interesting how connected you are, rather. And interestingly, there are a number of fans who who said the same thing, that they, you know, were so so happy, so happy. The next thing you know, they start crying. And that, that just lets you know how, you know, how in tuned and how connected the fan base is with the team and how long, you know, they've been looking for something like this and wanting something like this. And, you know, for those guys to go out and do it and not and to and to hold their heads up high and even look at the fan bases even and even the uh, former players and say, Hey, we did it for Philadelphia, we did it for you guys. It's just it's just remarkable. And this team this year was a very was a very interesting team. I've been I've been around I've been around Philadelphia since about 2001, since I've been back, 2002. And every year I've, you know, I've met some of the guys and been around practices and what have you. But this team, when I tell you, it's totally different. I mean, you have guys. I mean, I got a couple of guys' numbers, and I text them after the game, good game. They're like, thanks, Fred, and they just get back to you. And and they, and, and they, they're so personable. I mean, but we've gone to a couple of practices, and even the alumni, I talked to a couple of alumni, and they were like, these guys seem so different and so genuine. So it's just amazing, you know, that the attitude that they have on and off the field and for them to go out and, you know, to, for them to be nice guys and to go out and be tough guys, it, it's just amazing to see. Yeah, and I know when I was watching a game and saw that the birds were going to win and everything else like that, I couldn't help but to think of guys like yourself, Randall, Calvin Williams, Wes Hopkins, yeah. You know, just down the line, all the great players that were had association with the organization. Yes. But if there was this team that pulled it all together, they did it, you know, but a lot of the history comes forward to you and you go, wow. Yeah, it's amazing. So, obviously, as I mentioned right there, you played with a lot of studs when you had yeah. time in Philadelphia. Would you say Randall was probably the best out of all them, or hard to say? 
Oh, it's it's so hard to say. We, I played with so many guys that were just talented, you know, at their position. I mean, Reggie White. I mean, you know, you know, God bless his soul, Jerome Brown, the same. Uh, you know, as as you mentioned, Wes Hopkins. I mean, you know, played with guys who Herschel Walker. Those guys, you know, it's it's just amazing to, you know, to be a part of. It was amazing to be a part of of of, of something that that. You know, you can always remember. And guys had, you know, such such interesting personalities, and and I'm quite sure a lot of you know players have the same have the same experience that I did. I, I don't know about now because guys move around so much, but we but we you know we we had a interesting nucleus on our team, and unfortunately we didn't you know bring home a Super Bowl. I think that year. That we really thought we would do it. It was a year I think it was '91 when Randall got hurt. Yeah. And that, of course, that that set it all back. That set it back, you know, 20 plus years. But you know, finally, you know, they did it. I mean, and and it wasn't it wasn't easy. It wasn't you know a lot of people even a lot of people interesting because there's so many people who thought you know uh, New England would win this game and even questioned just uh, the Eagles being there. You know, and I I would tell people, you know, the Eagles didn't didn't draw straws to get there. They beat they beat the heck out of people getting there, and yeah. you know, got home field advantage and, and took care of business, even even though they had a hurt quarterback. You know, but you know that that just says a lot for the character of this team. That says a lot for the coaching staff, uh, and it says a lot, really, you know, for the motivation that they had in in winning the Super Bowl. Well, speaking of uh, good coaches and great coaches. You play for some guy who's beloved, especially in the Philadelphia area. Not that he wasn't nationwide, Buddy Ryan. Do you have any yeah. good Buddy Ryan stories? Oh gosh, I have a ton of <laughs> Buddy Ryan stories. Buddy, I can remember the first. I, it was maybe the fourth or fifth practice I was in, and there was a kid. I can't think of the kid's name, but I think he was a running back from Wyoming. I think he was a free agent, and Buddy Buddy wasn't an offensive coach; he was a defensive coach. So he rarely, you know, he 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 would of course come to the offensive side and just kind of watch us do our thing, and he would have some input here and there. So all right, what is he what is he supposed to do? What is he doing? Yeah. So I can remember we were going through a running drill, and the receivers were out. We were out of the drill. We were just kind of standing there. I remember Calvin and I. So we were rookies, right? Yeah. And um. This kid ran these two plays, ran the play, and he messed it up, and he ran it again. He messed it up again. And Buddy's, and, and our running back coach, I think it's Dick Woods at the time, Dick was like, no, 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 like I told you the first time. Buddy was like, wait a minute. He messed it up again? And he's like, yeah, and Buddy, he sat there and he shook his head. Now, we had a player personnel guy by the name of Joe Woolley. Now, he runs this play the third time. And he messes it up again. And we're like, you know, just kind of shaking our head. And Buddy says, that's it, process. And we're like, process it? What does it mean? And Joe Willie came and took the kid off the field and cut him. And we were like, oh, my God, he just got cut. <laughs> he just got cut. <laughs> he didn't even wait till after practice. He cut him on the field. And we were like, and so we were like, 
Oh my god! So at that point, we're just walking on eggshells, like you know, we're rookies. So it's like, how do how do you cut somebody right on the field? So that along along with so many other stories, and and the buddy buddy was buddy was the type of guy. If you belong there, you would be there. Period. Yeah. You know, it wasn't it what you know. It, it it's not about how good of a guy you are. It's like if you can play football, you're on the team. But if if you can't play football, I don't care if if you know, if if you know what you, if if you made a goal, you just you can't you're not gonna be on the team if you can't play, and that's no, that was who he was. It was it was business, and and that's what what it is today. It's still what it is. Exactly. Well, my final question for you, Fred and Danielle, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. But you said you came back to town in 2001, and what you know, I've had the fortunate pleasure of meeting a lot of athletes and celebrities and whatnot because of the show and otherwise. But when you came back to town in Philadelphia, what was it, and especially in this region, in the Philadelphia region, a lot of former athletes stay or come back after a bit and want to live their lives here post-career. What is it about the Philadelphia area that you said, you know, I, I have to make this home? Well, interestingly, um, as, as a matter of fact, one of the reasons I came back was when my first wife and I separated. As a matter of fact, we were in Tennessee at the time. My, my mom was in Memphis, Tennessee, and we were in a suburb called uh, uh, Germantown, Tennessee. And uh, my wife at the time went to work in D.C., and I felt that, you know, I wasn't going to go to D.C., wasn't going to go to Virginia. Why, why don't I go somewhere where? I know people know me. You know, I definitely didn't want to go back to Mississippi. That's that's where I'm from. And so I felt that D.C. was close to, of course, or Philadelphia was close to D.C. So I decided to come back to Philadelphia. And you know, I, I you know, I started when I came back. I you know made connections with the team, let the team know I was back, and and you know started doing some stuff kind of um, with them, with the sweet holders, and just you know keeping myself busy. And you know, a few years later. Uh, about about three years later, maybe four years later, I met, met my now wife. So it's just you know it turned out to be you know a great decision in coming back. And and I, I've always loved Philadelphia. Philadelphia is, is to some degree black and white in terms of you know if 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 you were a player that was loved and did the right thing, they loved you. You know, and if if you screwed up, they didn't love you. So you know, I I, I was able to you know walk the streets and everybody you know. Like, hey, I remember you, you know, with a smile, or rather than, you know, uh, uh, you know, the opposite. So, you know, I, I, I felt like to some degree, I, 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 uh, you know, made a positive stamp on the city, and and you know, it, it. Once I got back, I was, I was well accepted. Yeah, and you know what you just said there is so true. But whether you had, whether guys or gals had a good day or a bad day on the field. The Philadelphia fans, I can say this, sports fans, hell, probably even chess players. If the fans will tell you, if you, if they know you put a good effort in, they got your back, like you said. Oh, yeah. But, but the ones sure. that didn't, you know this from being a guy who was from Mississippi and not from the area, they will sniff you out if... Oh, yeah. Yes, they will. <laughs> You're putting on a front. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Fred, you 
you have any social media or anything like that to keep fans up to date of what's going on in your world? Well, I have, I have some social media, and I, as a matter of fact, I have a um, Instagram. It's uh, under Hit Me I'm Open. Okay. And um, oh, I'm on Facebook, but I, I, it, it, I mean, there's some things that I'm doing, kind of on and off the fields. Right now, I'm working for my wife. She has, a, she has a corporate event planning company in Bermuda, so I'm, so I'm kind of in and out of Philadelphia. But I did start a uh, kind of a fan Instagram that's, uh, you know that's called hit me i'm open and you know i start you know, post some pictures of uh of the trophy i think i was holding the trophy in one of my last pictures and just you know some some old memorabilia stuff that i got and uh i've i've accumulated a new a, a few a few fans and you know it, it continues to grow every day nice well as we see at the beginning of the interview here where's daddy amazon.com click the links below or from wherever you downloaded this from. Fred, thank you so much, and Try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts, there's bound to be injuries. <laughs> now that's what I call depressing. It's gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope wanna jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting Now That's What I Call Depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars. Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend while Sincere Black 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open.
the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. How's it going, guys? This is Amy Dumas. You guys might know me as Rita, and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio. 